0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Glam Observer podcast. My name is Jada, and I'm the founder and CEO of Glam Observer and the Glam Observer Fashion Academy with which over the last three years I've helped many fashion enthusiasts getting their jobs at dream companies such as LVMH, Dior, Prada, Valentino and many others. I've recently even made it to the Forbes Under 30 list in the education category for the things I teach about getting a job in fashion. In this episode I'm chatting with Cassie Fitzpatrick, style director at Amazon. Cassie's career is so interesting because she didn't follow a linear path but challenged herself and and her curiosity brought her to work in many different fields. She in fact worked as a stylist, fashion writer for The Telegraph, trend researcher at WGSN editor, buying consultant, brand consultant, trends and product analyst, and now she's the style director at Amazon. She's the proof that you can move from a field to the other in fashion and that if you have multiple passions, you can mix them up. Her positivity and curiosity will inspire you. In this episode, we talked about having multiple skills in fashion how to transfer your previous experience to a new job in a different field, the importance of keep learning using online courses, the advantage of working at fashion startups, the future of the fashion industry post-pandemic, and how to get a job in fashion at the tech companies such as Amazon. Before starting this new episode, I would like to invite you to my free online masterclass on four proven strategies to get a job in fashion. In this free training, which is like a sort of mini free online course, I'm going to teach you four strategies that work to get a job in fashion. But we also see together what are the false assumptions about the fashion industry and what are the most common fashion job application mistakes so you won't make any more of these mistakes register to my free online masterclass. I will leave the link into the notes of this podcast episode. Welcome Cassie to the Glam Observer podcast. It's such a pleasure for me to have you here on the show. So I would like to start with the question that I always ask to the guests, which is what did you study and what was your dream job back when you were in college? Oh
1: hi! Uh, firstly, thank you for having me on the on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. So, what I studied was a it was a degree in fashion journalism, and um, what I wanted to be during that time, um, I guess I wanted to work for. At the time, everyone was working in magazines, or if you were studying journalism, then it seemed like a really good place to be. Uh, so, I guess I wanted to work for somewhere like somewhere quite cool or trendy, like ID or dazed or confused. Um, I I was really I was never really good at knowing what I wanted to do, where where I wanted to work. I was really good at knowing where I didn't want to work. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that was something and I've always been very good at knowing what I don't want, but um yeah, never that good at knowing what I do want. So I come from a very small place in Wales. Um, from a really small village. So I didn't have like a lot of access to a lot of magazines at the time and and definitely even to things like I I had, I obviously knew about magazines like Vogue, but I didn't really respond to them uh, a lot. It was very, felt very high fashion to me and very um, something that I I guess I just, you know, wasn't into. It felt very elitist. Um, and I was more of a Sunday supplements kind of girl, right? So what, you know, what mm-hmm. newspapers or what you get free in, uh those were kind of what I would get my fashion information from. So, yeah, I guess it was someone I, I wanted to work for someone, either somewhere very democratic or very um, accessible, like Sunday supplements, or somewhere really cool, like Dazed and ID was like my secret dream job.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. First, the fact that you already knew that what you didn't want to do because it's already a starting point. I mean, it's already good that you know what you don't want to do because figuring out in the beginning of your career in fashion what you want to do is hard. But if you already have an idea of what you don't want to do, it's a starting point. And then also, I mean, everyone who wants to work in fashion magazines they usually dream of the top publication in Vogue so it's it's really interesting the fact that you were not among everyone else basically.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that's um, been uh, like a common thread throughout my career as well. Is I don't go for for super obvious places or somewhere I kind of understand my own niche and where I fit in really well. So, and a good example of that is when I was studying um, fashion journalism. It was, it was clear to me that there was a shift going on in industry. So a lot of magazines were were probably not reaching the numbers they were previously reaching. And a lot of people were turning to online and taking all of their uh, content and then pushing it online. And that became really important to me. So I think during my degree in my final year, I then did a like an online or e-zine or something like that. So it was really clear to me that things were starting to shift. So I didn't want to put all my eggs in, in the magazine basket when i w- had a understanding that the industry was was moving and i wanted to move with it um so yeah i think that that's something that's really interesting in within the fashion industry is having an awareness of how the industry itself is moving and then if you you know trying to move with it and trying to keep up to date and keeping your skill set current and fresh as well
0: yeah that's smart absolutely and so what was your first job in fashion?
1: Oh, I was, I was really lucky. So I, I think probably my first job in fashion was my best job I've ever had. Um, so I interned like crazy when I was in uh, university and I really, really suggest that anyone listening to the podcast does the same if they're able to do it. And I had uh, been a fashion assistant at a gay men's magazine called Attitude magazine. And it was very mm-hmm. the fashion content was amazing. I got to do some writing for them um but the fashion the team was so small it was a team of three of us when I was assisting and the fashion director there was is what was at the time Luke day who is now the i think he's the um fashion director for g q and he was a celebrity stylist at the time and then I started assisting him and got paid for it and we worked for a lot of celebrities and um Uh, We work mainly with a band called Take That, which is quite, they're they're quite big in the UK. Um, So uh, I was really lucky that one of my first jobs was, was more, was around kind of in the record, in a record company and then working across loads of TV shows, loads of tours. So, and that was definitely my best job. It's kind of gone downhill from there, (laughs) but I was incredibly (laughs) lucky um, to get that as one of my first jobs. And it was mainly down to just having a good relationship with the fashion director and we got on well and he would take me with him. You know, I don't think that that's the same for everyone. Like I said, I think it was incredibly lucky. I got to work with photographers like Rankin, David Bailey, and I was just fresh out of university. So it was, um, I really landed on my feet.
0: Yeah, definitely. Such a great experience. I mean, You know, so a lot depends on your first experience on the people you work with. And it's so great when you can find people who inspire you, who allow you to have more possibilities, more opportunities to work with the best and top in the industry. So, yeah, it seems like your experience was really, really great.
1: Yeah, it was, definitely, and it definitely shaped my attitudes towards the industry and, and fashion in general as well. So you're, you're right, you're exactly right in what you said, that um, it's really important that that first experience is, is a really positive one.
0: Yeah, especially in fashion when, I mean, you are so, you could be confused and intimidated by this industry in the beginning. So it's great when you meet and work with people who can have a great and positive impact on you and your career so you have a great start in this industry yeah yeah most definitely so, UCB boasts many different experiences in fashion you are as a stylist fashion writer for the Telegraph trend researcher for WGSN editor buying consultant brand consultant trends and product <laughs> analyst and now you're the style director at Amazon so that's I think it's brilliant and I, I never met someone with all these different experience. So before talking about your role today as style director at Amazon, I would like to talk about all these different experiences which have brought you, I think, multiple skills in fashion. I think it's super important for people to understand that having multiple skills is important in an industry such as fashion. So I would like to talk about how have you moved in different fields of fashion and how have you leveraged your previous experience? Because, you know, when you want to, for example, you worked as a buying consultant, but you didn't have any buying previous experience. And, you know, sometimes companies require a singular experience to get a job. So I would like to know how you were able to move from a field to the other in fashion.
1: Yeah, most definitely. It's um I I you can't see me right now, but I'm smiling because I am definitely one of these people who is a a, a jack of all trades, master of none, right? So I'm a full generalist when it comes to my skill set. So I've done lots of different things for different people. Um I guess when I first started out, the when I studied journalism or fashion journalism, like i said i was really interested in online and mostly throughout all my career most of the jobs i've had have been online and apart from styling so um that initial kind of my intuition of like okay things are moving online was was really right so when i went to uh online at the telegraph i was literally sitting there with a book of like how to upload you know copy online and stuff like that so from there, I think I went to um, WGSN, which is, again, everything was online. So I had to upload a lot of my own writings, a lot of my research online. Um, so it seems to, I guess, from starting very early, it just was I had a really core cool skill, which which actually quite a few people didn't really have that skill at that time. Um, so that's always stood me in really good stead. I think that in terms of like the uh, shift to buying, I'd because I'd worked at, um WGSN um we would do a lot of fashion content and a lot of it is looking at things looking at um so items or key items that are coming from the catwalk that were coming from in store and 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 giving that information then to um, people who are subscribing and saying you know this is what we think this is our opinion this is what we think is going to be the winners of the season so I kind of worked in that um in that field of buying then I'd move to Amazon and as a product and trends analyst it's very very similar to buying so you look at data and you're able to infer things from the data so for example if things were your top seller last season and you maybe think that the trends will continue so again it's like super close to buying you're also looking at data a lot to spot opportunities Um, so for example if you have some kind of knowledge that sleepwear or for example something is a new trend is coming up it could be athleisure it could be sleepwear loungewear then you know you have to shift your inventory around and you have to focus on on that as a as a growth area for the business so it's super similar to buying because it's very data-led the buying that I did for on for on loan, which is a closed rental company, is really different, um, because it's less because it's a rental model. So um, it, you really are only buying very few pieces a season, and you have to be completely certain that they're going to be what the ones that your customers will love, right, and will continue to rent. So that was a really different shift in terms of um, of learning for me because I. Because I'd worked more in commercial sort of um, understanding of what buying is. Um, I guess another thing which I, I've done I, is I've worked in startups. So if you work in startups, you get to do everything because the teams are so small, right? So if you work in a fashion startup, which sells product, for example, you'll be working as a buyer, the the content person, the social person, you know, you'll be working on strategy. So... I really think that a lot of my skill sets come from working in startups and that's what gives me this skill set of being quite a generalist. Um, So I've been able to move quite easily between roles. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's always something I've been really conscious of and really something that I want to continue doing in my career as well as is moving a lot and shifting and changing my skill set because I think that that's what keeps you on your toes and that's really important in the fashion industry for a lot of people I know that work just in fashion they're not attracted to like the data side of it at all or and for me I, I have an understanding that that's really necessary to understand have a grasp of of data and understand that you can tell stories from data and you can, I guess, um, you know, you can help, I guess, get people on board when you use data. So that was never in my skill set. So I never, I learned that formally, but I understood that I would need that, especially within an e-commerce environment.
0: I think from what you've just said, that it's super interesting what you said about that you went from buying to trend and product analyst at Amazon, the fact that even though the job title is different, you should have to consider and read carefully the job description and what the task of the new job are about so you can see how you can transfer your current experience to the new job, even when you have to explain it to the recruiter, for example. Because many times people look at the job title And they focus on, I mean, on that and don't read the task. So for example, in your case, you were able to transfer from buying to another job title because the experiences and the task were similar. So I think it's super important from these that people understand that it's important to read the job description and not just focus on the job title when looking for new jobs. And I also love the fact that you mentioned that you worked at startups. Because many times, when for those especially were at the beginning of their career, they dream about the big top fashion companies. But there are so many pros of working at fashion startups. Like, for example, what you say that you are able to see many things because the team are smaller. So, if you're the buyer, you could also see many other things. As well so i think it's a great learning experience
1: no yeah definitely i completely agree with you i really see startups as very under and um sort of untapped in terms of a uh, new talent especially from a fashion industry perspective so something that mm-hmm. i would i guess a top tip is is to look who's getting funding in the startup space right or in the fashion tech startup space those people who are getting funding are normally the people who are going to be hiring really soon so you know get in contact with them share your skill set and tell them what startups really love is that hunger and that kind of uh, you know I'll do anything attitude or I I can do anything attitude so I think for for new graduates it's a really good place to start i mean at any point in your career i guess it's it's a really good place to be but yeah i think it's really untapped and uh, definitely it would be one of my top tips
0: yeah definitely and then i mean you can always change because sometimes people believe that if you work in the startup you can then not move to a top fashion brand but you know you're going to learn multiple skills and so you can transfer them to a top established brand as well if this is what you want later
1: yeah most definitely and I think that that's that is the case that if you work for fashion brands if you work for a tech company then they really like the fact that you've been at a startup because they understand the mindset or the growth mindset at a startup and that you can apply that to a tech company as well so um yeah
0: so for those who want to have different experiences in fashion like you did what are your tips how can you gain multiple skills and go into different fields of fashion
1: so I think one thing is to be um, to be really open to it, right? Because there's a lot of people who just think, that's not me, that's not my thing. And I think that you have to be open to new experiences and open to new skill sets as well. Um, don't be really rigid in your thinking of, this is who I am, you know, this is what I'm really good at. Unless you try, you really don't know. Um, so, I think there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot to be said about being open to new experiences or open to new skill sets. I guess for me, something that I've always been like a big believer in is this idea of learning and curiosity right so I've never and you know it's hard for me to if I'm taking time out, then it's normally because I'm learning a new skill or because I'm you know learning an yeah an online skill and something that I think will become that I will need later on down the line. Line. So I think you definitely need that curiosity, and you need that hunger to keep on learning and keep on building up your skill set. I think um, the I think the danger is when you come out of university. You've been in university for three years, maybe longer, and you want to break from learning, right? Because you're kind of like, okay, I've done it now. I've got my degree. I'm ready to go. And we need to shift that mindset and it needs to become more an idea of lifelong learning and, and revamping our skill set. And you know, we can't rest on our laurels that we have our university degree and and that's the end of our learning. So something I would really suggest if you want a career where you're where you hop about a bit and learn or, you know, move in between roles, is that you need to, in your own time, um, outside of work, you need to keep up to date and keep your skill set. I guess, fresh.
0: What are your favorite resources to learn new new skills? So I use
1: um, mostly all online learning, so I use YouTube a lot. Um, For -hmm. example, I'm studying, um, we do, I work with a customer insight team at Amazon. Um, and I don't have a huge background in experimentation so I'm, I'm very good at the qualitative stuff but I'm not very good at the quantitative stuff so at the minute I'm taking an online course I think it's run by Udacity and it's in intro- mm-hmm. introduction to statistics and I listen listen. I don't come from a maths background at all and I find it so painful to do statistics and even probability like you know which is which should be really you know it's introduction it's very basic and I find it extremely tough but I really like that that I'm having to really buckle down and learn it um so Udacity is really good Udemy is really good Khan Academy all online um if you're looking at something really specific to the industry, like marketing, then general assembly is really good. I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. who else. So mostly all online places that I um, that are really well set up for this as well. There, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else I use, um, but mostly I just Google everything. So I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm. <laughs> but I, I really same. love these online courses, honestly. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with upskilling and learning different things. Um, so, yeah. And everything is at our fingertips now. So there's so much information online that you can just Google and find out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, same. I also take online courses every time. And I think I've learned most of what I know from online courses because they're more practical than the traditional education So I think they're really valuable, they're practical, you can learn them. I mean, you can take a course in one weekend and learn something new very fast, very quickly. I really love them. I also think books or podcasts or websites they're great resources. I think you're completely right. I think that
1: we're like when you start to learn again and you start to pick up new skills,
0: you realize
1: you just don't learn in one way, right? So you multi the way that your you learn can be in multiple different areas. So for example, I like Online learning, but like you said i 'm very love uh, I love listening to podcasts so i 'm very audio and a visual learner as well and also I like to experience things so once i have uh, once I think i 've mastered what i 've been taught, then I like to put it into practice as well so I think that you um, you could try loads of different um, resources and then decide which ones work for you but uh, I agree with all of those ones you said so books podcasts kind of online courses and ideally all three of them put together
0: yeah definitely people just think that out of university they have to stop learning and put things into practice by just working but I think that you should keep learning even when you're just out of school I think it's even more important when you're out of school because you're going to learn and study in a you have a different mindset when you study after that you have graduated because you study to learn a thing that you really want to learn that is useful for your career for your job so I think it's completely different when you study out of school and it's super important that anyone keep learning listening to podcasts daily be a course every month or reading at least one book every month to grow your skills it's absolutely fundamental if you want to I mean, boosts your career, but also if you want to stay inspired and motivated in an industry such as fashion, especially.
1: Yeah, completely agree with you. I think that you're right. One, once you finish uni or once you're during university, you're learning things to graduate from the course. After that, then yeah. a lot of it is self-directed. So you're learning things that will benefit you directly in industry. So I completely agree with what you said.
0: I want to ask, what is the biggest lesson you have learned so far in your career in fashion?
1: Um, really tough question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to say something generic, like, you know, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is that you have to really know your own self. I, I've started jobs and really quickly understood that although the place was an was amazing place to work and somewhere I really expect, I expected to love, it wasn't a really good fit for me. Um, so then I, you know, would ha- I had to exit very quickly and that was really disappointing and really hard. I think that you really need to understand like what makes you tick, what you love to doing, what gets you really passionate and really, I guess, inspired. And then, then look at it from that perspective. It's not about the companies that, you know, you'd love to work at. It's like whether they're a really good fit for you. So I think that, um, and that's really difficult early on in your career it's something that you find out along the way right so you're if you're you spend some time in different companies you start to understand okay this is what i like doing this is what i don't like doing and this is why uh, my my personality or my skill set is like this and that's why it's a really good match for me so it's really it's difficult and it's a real big privilege to learn about yourself and and understand yourself but I think a lot of mistakes I made very early on in my career was because I I was applying for things that I felt like I should be applying for but really weren't a good match for me at all so I think and a lot of that comes from knowing yourself and and understanding you know what you want to do and where you want to be um so I guess yeah that's something that I learned along the way I I can't even remember the initial question I'm sorry I've gone completely off track (laughs) I don't know if I answered it or not.
0: Yeah, you answered it. It was about the biggest lesson you have learned so far. Oh, yes, most definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm writing my first book and the last paragraph that I've written is regarding the myth of the dream job. It's the fact that you think, I mean, you have this idea in mind of what could be your dream job. But in reality, I think most of the people are fascinated by a job title. They don't focus on what they really like and i think the best way to really understand what is made for you is just through the experience there is this myth of the dream job and also i think also the pressure of answer the question that everyone that you first meet for the first time answer what do you do or what you have to add in your linkedin bio or your instagram bio but you really have to to focus on what you like and choose the job that you like and not focus on a job title a fancy job title
1: yeah I completely agree with you there I think there is so much pressure especially on people coming into the industry now that you work in one of the top tier brands or the top tier companies and and when you get there if you get there if you know people who work there they're, they're very unhappy or they're very miserable so you have yeah. to really choose your own path and really stick to that and not become so hung up on uh the the places you're working it's more about what you're doing and your role within that company i think that's something that's that i really learned about myself and i, I and i don't think it's like just for me, is in any role, you have to have impact, okay? For you to believe that you matter there, you have to have quite a big impact to the company. You have to be doing something that you believe is impactful to the company. And if you're not, then you just feel like a spare part, right? So there's lots of different people. If you work in a big company, there's loads of different roles within that company. And maybe you don't have an impact at all, What I found within my roles is what, when I have an impact is when I feel most happiest. So it's kind of like, and I don't think, I think that's universal. I don't think that's just for me. I think that people are happiest when they're making a difference. So yeah, consider your role within that company, not the title.
0: Absolutely. Thinking about the roles in the industry, let's talk about what you do as the style director at Amazon.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So my roles at Amazon have changed. So I've been at Amazon for around five years. Uh, and I freelanced for Amazon a little bit before that as well. So right now I work as the style director, and I report into fashion technology. So a lot of the projects that I work across are somehow related to fashion and technology. And my part of that of the projects will be to take a product or something that's launching. So I'm not talking about a actual physical product. I'm talking about more of a program that Amazon will be launching. And if it's a fashion technology uh, product or program is to give it more of a fashion voice. So that can be anything from content, so the actual words that were written to the positioning. So it can be um, how we want it to look or how we want customers to perceive it. And then it can also be like physically like curation, curating the products or the styling of the products. So that's one, one of the things I do and that's more – Fashion technology related, I also work a lot of where I love to be is in the fashion studio, so Amazon have an amazing fashion studio in london in in East London, and I spend a lot of time there because it feels more like um somewhere where i I just feel at home right so there 's a lot of people there there 's a lot of um, imagery being shot there so it's it 's like a creative environment or a creative space. so I spend time there and that 's mostly working with a team of stylists who um we will help kind of raise the styling bar so whether that's working with brands who have been on to Amazon and and helping translate how they want their their um, clothes photographed or whether that's via an editorial shoot so something that we're launching as content on the site um, but I and then I work a little bit on consumer insights as well so I will deliver presentations about Uh, trends that are going on in the fashion industry that we I think are relevant to Amazon and we'll some often do our own internal research as well Um, and that that was really I think what I do now is parts of all my different roles that I've done previously so from WGSN I still do a lot of research and trends Um, I've done styling and other areas so that I do a little bit here and also fashion technology because I've worked in startups previously so there's I think it's like finally kind of all come together. Um, But I would still call myself a complete generalist. So really, I do loads of different things again in this role, right? So I am pulled in loads of different directions, but that really suits my personality.
0: Yeah, you have found your dream job, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask with everything that is happening in the industry in these past months with the pandemic and now all the racism issue. How do you see the future of the fashion industry? It's such
1: an interesting question and I get asked this a lot at the minute. so I think it's uh, we're at like a very pivotal point in the history of fashion, right? Where we uh, we were already seeing an issue on the high street or with bricks and mortar retailers, uh, and many of them struggling to kind of survive. And I think what this pandemic will do will definitely, um, I guess, like <laughs> people who are already struggling will not will no longer, I guess, exist. And we'll see the opposite side of that, where people were already making it, you know, killing it, will become the kind of major players in the market. So I think we're going to see a really big cleaning up of the industry. Um, And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? But I guess for me, fashion's becoming more polarized. So you have like very two different mindsets within fashion. So you have generation me so it's all about me so i um only i care about um consumerism about engagement with people looking at my instagram profile with selling myself and then you have a different generation which is generation we which is far more all about i guess having a social or a moral compass and how we can benefit the the wider community and with things like sustainability um With more, you know, ethical concerns, so we have this this huge kind of polar opposites in terms of consumers at the minute, and I find that so interesting. And it's really easy to see that play out, right? So post pandemic, we're in, in the UK, you know, especially we've just come out of it. So I think earlier on this week, we had all the retailers were able to open, or the you know the actual physical stores were open were able to open and my expectation was it would be it would be quieter because people's mindsets had shifted but there's still huge cues there was arguments in pre-mark that people were you know couldn't buy all the things they wanted to buy and people weren't social distancing um so i think you know a lot of people would love to believe the industry is really different and um, things are shifting, and and there's much more of a focus on sustainability. And I think that's right. But I think that that's not telling the whole picture, that there is a a lot of consumers which are still really interested in fast fashion. Um, And, you know, think to people like social commerce, or people like Boohoo, Misguided, do most Mm -hmm. of their, um, sort of most of their business via social now via online. So I think that there's like, two big splits going on in fashion. And um, yeah, it's for me, it's extremely interesting what will happen post-pandemic. But I just generally see there will be this um, sort of gulf of, of people who are, who are killing it and will continue to and will get bigger and bigger. And then the people who are struggling, and unfortunately, they're, they're not going to cut it.
0: And talking about online, as you work for Amazon, how has the pandemic impacted online fashion? And do you think, I mean, we all have bought online in this period. Do you think people will continue buying online, and that the future of fashion will be most online?
1: Yeah, so I think that, um, like, obviously Amazon has um, has been one of those places that you shopped during the pandemic because of um, it's very convenient. It's very familiar to you, right? So. Um, but we saw a lot of a change in terms of items that were being bought and they were shifting towards, and I don't think this is just for Amazon. I think this is also for the wider industry. So we saw a big uh, customer shift towards comfort. So people were buying much more comfortable clothes like loungewear. We also saw like sportswear. So people were, were working, weren't going to the, or were able to work out more from their homes. So a lot more interest in sportswear and functional clothing. So it's definitely that a lot more kids, kids wear as well. So parents maybe who would normally be sending their children to school, they weren't wearing their school uniforms every day. So people were starting to buy a lot more kids wear as well. Um, and there was a big shift, I think, outside of Amazon towards homeware. So people were really focused on how their homes were looking because obviously they were spending so much more time um, in the house yeah. and they were faced with their um, yeah their living room not looking so Instagrammable. So they were, yeah, everyone was apping their, homeware game I think online for me will will continue to to become I guess you know the major uh, the the point of um, where we do all of our purchases or most of our purchases I think that the pandemic also for a lot of people who weren't shopping online previously wasn't was forced them to shop online and once you start shopping online you realize how convenient it can be Um, so then you're kind of shifted I think the customers really care about convenience Um, so if we think about you know, Deliveroo and people like that, everything, Amazon even, it's based on convenience, right? So you, you're in the platforms really integrated with your, how you pay, it's frictionless, it's very familiar to you. It, it just becomes like a second nature to use those type of places. Um, so I really see online, I see mobile commerce. So the idea of it just not being like desktop, I see mobile commerce becoming more and more important. Everyone has a smartphone, so everyone's buying via their smartphone. I think so, social commerce as well. So things like um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of those techie platforms will now have more shoppable features. So yeah, for me, I, the future is online, you know, undoubtedly.
0: I think it, it's like people have created like a sort of bond with Amazon, especially because when everything was closed, Amazon was the one of the only who were able to bring food or clothes or books or other things that we needed at home in that moment that we couldn't get anywhere else. We couldn't go anywhere to get, I don't know, food or to get anything. And Amazon, Amazon was here, was there for us in that difficult moment of the history. So I think it is like really a feeling that you have created now. It's something really different.
1: Yes, most definitely, and Amazon take it really seriously, right that idea of like we we were there in that in that time of need, and we knew that we needed to yeah. to help other people and to provide a service that wasn't you know a lot of people were 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 not living in urban areas like you or i and, and were further away and and Amazon was still able to deliver to them you know safely deliver to them so I think it it has increased customers' confidence and trust in Amazon so um you know, I'm really proud to have been part of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's brilliant. It's one of the best company for me out there. And so my last question is what are your tips for those to get a job in fashion, especially at a tech company such as Amazon.
1: So I think that um, you need to demonstrate to people who you're applying to when you're sending your CV that you have an understanding of, of technology, right? So whether that's via things, something like a coding course or online analytics or business or something else which will tell them, hey, I, I, yes, I am a creative person and I understand about fashion, but I also have an awareness of, of tech. So I think you need to demonstrate that. And if you don't have that those skills, then they're really easy to get, like we discussed. So you can get them online, right? So I think that that yeah. is completely acceptable to do a few online courses and put that on your CV. Again, it's to demonstrate that you, you care about technology and you see that te- technology can, can act as an like an enabler. So I think you need to really strongly communicate that that your skills aren't only focused within fashion. They're much broader than that. This isn't just for fashion technology, but you can network a lot within that space. And people within that space, there's so many amazing talks going on now or Zoom calls where you can dial in and listen to people and and get an understanding of um, what's happening or issues that are happening within the industry, right? And that's something really good to put on your covering letter. So if you're applying for a fashion tech company and you realize there's there's something really, you know, AI within the fashion tech company, so talk about that when you send in your covering letter and the importance of AI or, or, you know, however you want to frame that discussion. So have an awareness of the of the issues that are happening within the industry and talk about that.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much, Cassie, for your time and for sharing all your tips for this great conversation. It's it was, a pleasure a, it was really.
1: absolutely my, yeah, it was my pleasure as well. It was really, really lovely speaking, speaking to you. And I think what you're doing is great. Like for me, um, giving people exposure to the different roles in the industry is really the first thing to, you know, to get people interested. So for me, it's about ex- exposing it, exposing the industry or talking about the roles within it, exploring them, and then people can go on to pursue them. So I think what you're doing is yeah. absolutely great and a really, really worthy thank podcast. You. So thank you for inviting
0: me. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed this new episode of the Glam Observer podcast. If so, please do leave a review, rate and subscribe because it helps me to keep going with the episode and to keep having great guests on the show. Thank you so much and see you the next week.